Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunded campaign success and better physical product businesses. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and each week I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert designed to help you take your startup to the next level. If you're interested in learning what we're all about and kickstarting your own crowdfunding campaign, check out artofthekickstart.com slash checklist. You'll get our entire guide to crush your campaign and take your business to new heights. But now, let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Art of the Kickstart. Today's going to be awesome, and here's why. We have Roy Morijan, the president, founder, and awesome dude behind Command Partners on the line. Command Partners, probably the best crowdfunding agency in the world. And you know what? They're going to be getting more intimately involved with Art of the Kickstart. Thanks for coming on today, Roy. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt. So we already hit you on a life quote, a success quote. What are we going to ask you about? Let's uh, let's kind of talk about command partners a little bit. So basically what's happening, guys, is I'm very busy and Roy is building a kick-ass crowdfunding agency. I don't know if we should still swear, but oops. And he's going to be taking over Art of the Kickstart to be able to help you guys better build crowdfunding campaigns succeed, create awesome products. That's kind of the game plan. I wanted to get Roy on here. He's going to be taking over the podcast and let everybody kind of kind of see him, touch him, play with him and understand that Roy's pretty much an expert on crowdfunding. So I hope you're ready for that, Roy. I, I hope so too, Matt. You, you set the bar very high. Uh, I set the bar high. Oh no, we should find some higher bars, I suppose. <laughs> so, um, so bars, Roy, uh, let's, uh, let's go back into your, into your background a little bit. So how did you get into crowdfunding? What's your story? Uh, So we got into crowdfunding. Honestly, we were contacted by a company that was having trouble garnering any press attention years and years ago. I think almost five years ago now, uh, nearly, uh, when we first started the agency. They needed help. They had a cool little gadget, you know, and they had already overfunded their campaign and reached out to us and said, you know, can we use some of your PR skills at your agency to help get some press? So we were, you know, completely new to crowdfunding and didn't know, you know, honestly that it existed or was a viable channel for our agency to kind of take on. So we were like, yeah, let's, let's test it. We had already been working with, you know, dozens of startups here locally and in the United States on the East Coast where we're located. And, you know, thought that this was a great opportunity to kind of branch out. So we, we worked our PR magic. We ended up doubling their funding goal. Um, and just thought, you know, wow, this is, you know, really amazing in terms of, these inventors, startups, entrepreneurs that are out there putting their ideas, you know, in full breadth of, you know, uh, people to be able to tear down if necessary in terms of the development of the technology or the hardware that they were trying to put out there. And, you know, we saw a, a great fit. So we continued to follow it. And now, you know, five years later, we're over 160 campaigns successful through our agency in terms of full marketing services. And I think our funding we've raised, you know, now over $55 million for our clients on Kickstarter, Tilt, and Crowdfunder, even on the equity side. Don't forget Indiegogo, bud. I know you love Indiegogo. I do. And <laughs> but they, yeah, they you have an awesome guys... team. I mean, you know, we, we love the relationship that we have with our agency and those guys. You know, I've been to both East Coast and West Coast offices multiple times and, uh, you know, truly love, you know, working with their, their departments over there. One thing I like about this podcast is being bold. We were talking about this a little bit before. Let's throw it into the podcast. Who's going to win Indiegogo Kickstarter? What's the the future of crowdfunding look like in your opinion? I I am 
bullish on crowdfunding. I, and I think on the innovation side, I think Indiegogo is is testing more things. You know, particularly what's interesting for us is the equity side. You know, now with you know not to dive into it, but with like Title Three and Regulation A plus now opening up to the unaccredited investors, and Indiegogo already saying that they're looking into it and building you know content around that on their site. It's going to be truly unique to be able to not only back a project, get a reward, but also invest in the company alongside of that to to prove that you know you're you're willing to go down the with it in terms of seeing its growth because you believe in the product so much. So. You know, on that end, uh, my my vote is for Indiegogo because they are continually innovating where we're not necessarily seeing all of that innovation on the other side of Kickstarter. You know, Kickstarter obviously is is the, the giant in terms of natural traffic and conversions and the community that they built. But overall, I think, you know, both platforms obviously are, are crushing it right now and they're, they're going to continue to see growth. Totally agree on both notes. I think Indiegogo is a little bit more innovative. They're doing some stuff with affiliates, helping people promote their campaigns and then reward-based systems along those lines. I, I would like to see both of them succeed because I like to see entrepreneurs succeed. And I think they're both doing pretty cool things. But I want to backtrack to something that we missed before and had to jump into. So you said that you started this about five years ago. You got into crowdfunding, but you had an agency before that. You'd already done PR. You'd already done press stuff. Talk about the agencies founding the business what you guys had been doing before that to get a little bit more context. Sure. So before then, you know, my other partner employees at the time, we were, you know, very much focused on PR and SEO, you know, in terms of getting companies to to rank naturally for the services and products that they provide. So that was kind of our cornerstone when we started Command Partners was our core focus. Before I started Command Partners, I had began another agency that was strictly social media training for some of the Fortune 500 here in Charlotte. Uh, so we did a ton of training for about three years, also had a, a handful of SEO clients because that correlation between social signals and SEO was gaining more and more uh, prevalence, you know, especially with the birth and you know, now the death of Google Plus, you know, with author profiles and s- strong ranking signals between the two, there's a direct correlation between that. So running that agency for about three years before I sold that one and jumped into Command Partners where we had a really strong PR background and my background on, you know, the, the ranking and the algorithms and analytics side. So you've got the background in promotion, background in sales, background in all the great internet stuff, and you've had an exit, which means you can help founders when they're looking into exits. But then you start to get into crowdfunding a little bit more and you find it interesting. I find it interesting. Hopefully if people are listening to this podcast, they find it interesting. Otherwise we're boring them to hell. So what are some of the things that you liked about crowdfunding and what are some of the early struggles that you had as an agency to help build a build a better crowdfunding world, I guess? Yeah, I mean, some of the early struggles that we had were selecting winners, if you will, um, you know, because there are so many projects launching every day. I think it's probably at least a thousand every day are launching. Not every one of them, you know, is, is going to win, is going to fund. So picking out, you know, those winners when we had those options. You know, back then we would select, you know, anything from a musician to a movie um, to just a, a gadget in general, where, you know, many of those weren't good fits for crowdfunding early on. And we, you know, started to learn that now, you know, fast forward five years later, our core focus in terms of projects that we work with are in the tech space, are in the hardware space, are in the design categories. Those are core fits for us. Many times because they usually raise the most money, 
There's a physical product at the end of the day. People want to be the first one to have it before it becomes mainstream and, you know, have that exclusive, you know, Kickstarter green or whatever it may be in terms of, you know, getting a product out there. So, so working with these projects now, we've been able to focus our attention on those projects where, you know, we were kind of scattered very early on. Obviously, we've had, you know, our, our losses, but we've, you know, those have been heavily outweighed now with winners where, you know, we're, we're very selective, you know, in terms of the projects that we're taking on and, you know, really want to use Art of the Kickstart to communicate with the world, you know, in terms of those successes that are out there, continuing interviewing, you know, whether it be case studies that we've done over the past five years and new projects uh, that are coming out and completely revolutionizing the space that they're in. One of, the thing, one of the things that I'm excited about with having you host the podcast, Roy, is that you've done this a lot. You've seen a lot of what works. You've seen a lot of what doesn't. And I think a lot of crowdfunders struggle. They have an idea. People are working. They're putting their life, their soul, their sweating blood, whatever it wants to be, into this project. And they're trying to build something awesome. And a lot of times they overlook marketing, they overlook sales, they overlook a lot of the stuff that goes into it. And you've, you've seen what works, you've seen what doesn't. I think you're going to have a great background in terms of helping people through the podcast and obviously if they want campaign coaching or help along those lines as well. And that's one of the things that kind of gets me pumped up about this. What have been some of your favorite campaigns that you guys have worked with? I mean, our, I think my all-time personal favorite is the Bunch of Balloons campaign that we had the opportunity to work with Josh on. Josh was a father of eight in the middle of Texas, and it, it obviously it's pretty hot down there in the summer. And he wanted, you know, to have water balloon fights with his kids, you know, to just cool off in the hot summer days down in Texas. So being the tinkerer and, you know, maker that he was, you know, he came up with this idea to instantly fill, you know, 35 water balloons in, you know, less than 20 seconds, where they immediately fell off and were already pre-tied and you could just go at it with a water balloon fight. So, you know, he came to us with this idea, uh, very rudimentary and needed capital to create the machine that would manufacture this product so we wouldn't have to make it by hand anymore. So beginning working with Josh about three months before his campaign, we put together the entire marketing strategy and outreach strategy for his project to make sure that we had covered everything that was needed on the marketing side, the messaging side, the video, all of those necessary elements, what we call is the foundation to make sure that that's as solid as possible before we present this product to the world. And once we did, you know, everything, you know, snowballed, you know, we were able to get him on the Today Show within three days of launching the campaign through our PR work. And, you know, he had a water balloon fight with Carson Daly and Rockefeller Center. And he was the first he was the first active Kickstarter campaign ever on national television. So that was, you know, just so exciting for our team to be able to watch the, you know, ticker go up and up every single second, you know, where he became the seventh most backed campaign of all time last year. And that was just, you know, really exciting to see a product that was an absolute zero that nobody knew about to funding his campaign to about a million dollars in 30 days. And then after his campaign was over the largest toy manufacturer in China basically said, we want to license your product and we'll take it from here, basically. So it's just really, you know, beautiful to see that, you know, progression of his company success. And now that he's, you know, basically set for life where they're manufacturing millions and millions of these products where you'll see them in every Walmart, Rite Aid, Walgreens, you name it, bunch of balloons is in there uh, on a shelf near you. 
And it's perfect because now he has time to have a water balloon fight with exactly. his kids. That's one of the challenges that so many inventors have is that there's just so much work that goes into not only the campaign, but also the product as well. But what I kind of wanted to ask you about was, it's always awesome hearing some of the successes, but I think looking at some of the failures is important too. What are some of the indicators or things that you guys have seen that lead a campaign to be successful or to not quite make it? Yeah, there's there's always a variety of reasons. And many times it, it you do come back to the fact that crowdfunding is so brand new and it's so, you know, it's in that infancy stage where I don't believe that the numbers on Kickstarter stats, there still haven't been more than 10 million unique backers in the world to back a project. So when you just look at, you know, the overall internet population, we're dealing with, you know, less than a hundredth of a percent of the one, you know, the people that are actually online that crowdfund and back projects. So it's, you know, truly a a beautiful space to be in where it's so early that we need to get projects out there uh, and people are able to get these, you know, ridiculous amounts of funding from pre-selling these products that don't exist yet. And people are trusting them for that. So, you know, some of the projects that we haven't had success with, many times it has been, you know, that they had been asking for too much money. Um, you know, the the worst fear is that you're the first one on the dance floor, so to speak, when you send, you know, traffic and PR and, you know, people to a project and not many people have backed it. And it's just so far away from reaching that funding goal uh, that nobody wants to be, you know, out there being the first, you know, 100 people pledging on it, unless it's something truly unique and innovative where they want to get those early bird rewards. So pricing a campaign is obviously critical. But at the end of the day, we always want to make sure that, you know, if the minimum is barely met, are you still going to be able to produce that product at the end of the day? You know, that that's important for us because our name is on that project as well. And we want to ensure, you know, to the community that they should trust us because we're helping with the marketing, but also that they should trust the project owner that they will deliver at the end of the day. So we've had a, a few issues, you know, with project owners not delivering you know, having, you know, whatever their instances may be of not being able to do that. But overall, you know, asking for too much money when they want to pay for their salaries with the Kickstarter funds, you know, that that's always a, a negative insight, you know, in terms of, you know, people don't want to back and pay for your salary or pay for your car, you know, included in your in your funding ask. So overall, those, those are, you know, that's one of the main things that we've seen as well. Other times, you know, it's been, you know, not being available for media requests. When we have, you know, NBC News ready to do an interview with you and you're on vacation all of a sudden, we didn't know about it. Sometimes it could be tough to to run a campaign that way. Also, when you're not being responsive, you know, backers need to know they're asking questions every day. And these are your your early adopters. These are going to be your brand advocates. So you need to nurture them and answer every question that they have as quickly as possible so they don't lose trust in you. Uh, And that's always, you know, a critical factor that you want to see as well. Yeah, definitely. The early adopters, they're going to be the people that help build the brand. They're going to be the fans that start getting other people involved. They're going to be what pushes the business after Kickstarter. And after Kickstarter, that's a whole nother ballgame. But at the same time, I think you probably have a little bit of experience with this. You've done some stuff with marketing, with sales. What's the best strategy or how do Kickstarter campaigns decide what they want to do? Do we go e-commerce? Do we try to go retail, wholesale, Amazon? What are what are some of the strategies? What have you seen work and not work? And what can people think about when they're working on their campaigns and trying to grow? Yeah, I mean, we always interview the the founders and ask them, what what does the future look like for your company? You know, where do you want to be in a year, three, five, ten years? And really try and grow with them. You know, we're, our agency, we're, we're trying to grow with them and obviously retain them for ongoing services after the campaign. 
whether it be continued PR, you know, starting some PPC once their campaign is actually shipping their product, uh, beginning some SEO so they can start ranking for some organic terms that they need to rank for for their product. Uh, so every startup is in a different place of wh- what their vision is. Maybe it's to be acquired. So helping position them potentially for an equity campaign after they've already raised you know, a significant amount with us on the reward side. So figuring out what that future looks like. Uh, many times it is setting up a, a quick, quick you know, e-commerce website, you know, Shopify, big commerce, whatever it may be, getting that out there and continuing to take pre-orders for their product. Maybe it's migrating from a Kickstarter campaign to an Indiegogo in-demand option that's now available, um, you know, so they can continue taking pre-orders there. You know, there, there's many different channels that you can go, but really it's figuring out what does the future of the company look like and then how do we get there? And you've worked with a lot of campaigns so far. I think everyone has a cool story. What are some other fun stories of people that you've worked with? The Bunches of Balloons is great. I know you guys worked with Hexo too, right? I, I always love yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, Hexo Drones is a, is a killer product, and they actually just started shipping their product, so I can't wait to get it here and start recording myself. I don't know what I'd be doing with, a, with the drone, but we'll see. I'm sure it'll be fun. Maybe I'll do a, a podcast with the Hexo Drone. Who knows? That would be that would be absolutely <laughs> but awesome. Yeah, I mean, those guys created a killer product, you know, one of the first in the space with the uh, the world's first, you know, autonomous drone, where basically you, you know, pull up the app, tell it what angle you want it to shoot you at. And then really, you know, the core focus that we did on the PR angle was, you know, for the extreme sports guys, those guys that are out there, you know, shredding up the mountains or carving it up in the, in the ocean, uh, you know, basically those guys that wanted to record themselves doing these extreme high sensation seeking, you know, events uh, and really just had, you know, a ton of coverage from them from, you know, the Washington Post, you know, it was a huge article, CNN, Mashable, Engadget, you know, all the top tech sites, we were able to get those guys coverage on it. And at the end of the day, raised, you know, well over a million dollars for their campaign and pre-sold a, a good amount of, you know, drones for them. So it was really fun working with them. You know, they're an international client. They were over in France at the time. And, you know, the majority of our clients now, we're seeing a huge growth in, you know, companies that are international outside the U.S. wanting to use these platforms. And they're seeing it now as the main means to getting U.S. you know, backers, basically a U.S. uh, customer base is launching through crowdfunding, whereas before they might have, you know, gone the e-commerce route, potentially thrown it up on Amazon and wait and see, you know, if the consumers come. And now, you know, these international companies are using these platforms now as their direct launch, you know, and that's where we're seeing a ton of success, especially on the PR end. Yeah, it's, it's incredible what you can do with a launch. You set it up with a Kickstarter launch, maybe an Amazon backend, something along those lines. Obviously, they're, they're slightly different in how the platforms work, but Kickstarter, Indiegogo are both becoming more or less the de facto launching platforms. I hear Amazon might be getting into the crowdfunding space as well. I, um, we'll see how that You'll goes. You'll be all over that, right? But Matt? anyway... Oh, all over that. You know it. You know it. Art of the Kickstart and FBA All-Stars together again. But um, I want to jump into the launch round now, Roy. And basically, this is where we ask you rapid fire, super personal questions. And they're not actually that bad. Fire good? away. Welcome to the launch round, where we take our guests through a series of rapid fire questions geared towards unlocking the inner inventor and entrepreneur in all of us. Get ready to blast off and unlock your inner potential. Let's do this. Okay, so Roy, first question. Why are you an entrepreneur? Uh, because I didn't want to wear a tie. Yes, that is an awesome question. Did you look up to any entrepreneurs or people along those lines growing up? 
Yeah, I mean, I've always been intrigued with going against the grain. And I think the the opportunity that the world has right now is just, you know, too much, you know, for, for us to be able to bring it in new products and bring in innovation in a whole new manner where you don't need corporations to, you know, ask for, you know, you basically don't need to ask them to be able to do these things anymore. And being an entrepreneur allows you to, you know, not only steer my company in the direction that I think it needs to head, but also work with innovative brand new technology and help them grow and give them those, you know, strategic advisory services of the, the hundreds of campaigns that we've been able to work with. So I think something scares everybody. What scares you, Roy? The right now, the, the birth of my next child, you know, and, and the world that she's coming into. That scares me a little bit. But at the same time, it's exciting as well. Congratulations, Roy. That's absolutely yeah, awesome. It. And you guys heard it here <laughs> first. So um, so are the kids going to be entrepreneurs? What's that going to yeah, look like? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there, there's only so much that you can do, but I, I, I think it's in their blood. Absolutely in the blood. We're going to have to get them crowdfunding some awesome sure stuff. I'm sure they'll be potentially yeah. the youngest crowdfunders You'll be buying awesome ever. Christmas presents. The youngest crowdfunders ever and supported by command That's partners, it. which means they're That's ready it. to rock. What have been some of your favorite campaigns, ones that you haven't necessarily managed, but ones that you've really liked? Oh, you know, I, I, I really uh, I like what happened with the coolest cooler, not recently, but that he failed first and overly succeeded again, you know, the second time around because he did it right. You know, the, the, that's one of the things that I see, you know, in terms of timing, I think was one of the major issues that he saw uh, on the initial launch where he was launching it in winter thinking individuals on crowdfunding would have the foresight that it will be shipped to them in the summer when they want to use it. But, you know, when we ran, you know, we actually ran simultaneously to the coolest cooler with the bunch of balloons campaign. And both those campaigns ran in the middle of summer when everybody was thinking about summer and those activities of using those products. So really, I saw, you know, a huge correlation there. And, you know, we've implemented that into our campaigns as well now, where if somebody comes to us with a winter product, we kind of hold off until, you know, it's it's winter time and people are thinking about that. So Cooler's Cooler obviously was a it was a killer campaign and, you know, raised a ton of money. You know, I I do like the fact of what Pebble did, you know, in terms of their first round and then coming back to Kickstarter and giving their community that first rights to the early bird rewards again. You know, I think that's the power of Kickstarter is that you're building these early adopters and these, this early community of evangelists that you need to nurture from here on out. And that's the beauty of crowdfunding where you can actually put a name to them and know where they are and can communicate with them directly. Whereas, you know, like on Amazon sales, you don't get any of their information. You're just pushing product and then they're buying it when they buy it. Um, and I think, you know, we, we love the fact that we can grow communities, help with social media, handle, you know, any of the engagement at that end and really nurture them to be the best advocates that are out there. Because no one's going to rep your brand like you are. When you're out there in front of it, it just makes it so much more personal. That's definitely one of the things I love about crowdfunding. And now let's let's get back. We'll jump out of the launch round now, Roy. We'll get back to you, back to Crowd uh, Command Partners, and we'll kind of start to wrap this up. But I think that it's always important to look at what the future looks like. So what's the future look like for you guys? What's the future look like for crowdfunding? And what are some of your thoughts about just kind of spitballing? Yeah, I mean, the, the future of crowdfunding, I think, is just, you know, endless right now. I mean, the, the opportunity for every entrepreneur out there is is there. You know, throw an idea out there and fail fast. You know, don't spend and waste a ton of money on 
development or, you know, modeling things, you know, getting all that stuff done, you know, just put an idea out there. I mean, Indiegogo allows you to launch anything, you know, you don't even necessarily need that a 3D rendering or, you know, an actual physical prototype like a Kickstarter campaign would. And, you know, that that's an opportunity that I think a lot of people are scared of, you know, putting their idea out there and potentially getting it stolen. Yes, that that could happen. But, you know, also the, the counter can happen where it can be, you know, very successful and you raise a ton of money and then you can quit your day job and get out of your cubicle and, you know, go do what you're passionate about. And I think that that's the beauty of crowdfunding and where I see it going. On top of that, you know, equity crowdfunding for us with Regulation A plus and, you know, the unaccredited investors is just going to be absolutely mind blowing in terms of what we're going to see next year with the companies that we're starting to work with and the opportunity to raise, you know, tons of money from unaccredited investors. You know, I see Indiegogo really trying to position themselves with the reward-based product and an equity option in the same channel where we're raising, you know, millions and millions of dollars for more and more companies. Because when you see success on the reward side, that's going to drive the equity as well. And if that those campaigns are side by side, then the, the opportunities are endless there. So we're, we're really bullish on the equity side as well. And we're going to be doing more and more of those campaigns in the future. Yeah, there's nothing better than raising a ton of money crowdfunding and using that as leverage to raise more money because, hey, look, we have this many backers. People clearly want to buy the product and we're about to crush it. You can get equity, you can get VC, you can get whatever you want at that point. And one other thing that I just wanted to reiterate on, I love how you mentioned it before, people worried about stealing your ideas. Guys, if you're worried about stealing your idea, go quit because ideas are worthless. The only thing that matters is execution. The people that raise a lot of money, the people that succeed, the ones that build businesses and change the world, they're not the ones that had a great idea because there were a million Steve Jobs. There are a million everybody else's. And you know what? Who came out on top? The one who did it. Go do it. Indeed. Anything else to add to yeah, that? Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. It's all about execution. I mean, everybody's got an idea, right? And it truly does come down to that execution. And please stop trying to crowdfund the social media apps, guys, seriously. <laughs> so until, uh, until next time, I think it's time to wrap up Art of the Kickstart. I hope everybody enjoyed hearing Roy because he knows, he knows a thing or two about crowdfunding. And he'll be on Art of the Kickstart a little bit more frequently. Thanks for coming I on, I appreciate Roy. it, Matt. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you love this goofy little <laughs> format. Cheers. Planning a crowdfunding campaign and want to make sure you crush it? I have awesome news for you. The Art of the Kickstart Crowdfund Academy, our course, 43 videos, which walks you step-by-step through what it takes to crush your crowdfunding campaign, Kickstarter or Indiegogo, is now going to be $67 with an exclusive coupon. If you go to artofthekickstart.com slash go, you can get the entire detailed guide, which will walk you through dominating your Kickstarter campaign. Check it out, guys. Art of the Kickstart.com slash go. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show all about building a better business, world, and life with physical products. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and if you've enjoyed today's episode, you should check out Art of the Kickstart.com. You can find access to all our past episodes, get our Kickstarter Crush It Guide. And if you love the episode, be sure to leave us a review, artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors and entrepreneurs find the show and helps us get better guests on here to help you grow your business. Thanks for tuning in. 
And until next time, have a great and productive week. Go build something incredible.